Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Story time. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. My family used to go huckleberry picking up in the mountains in the late 80s early 90s. My family was up a mountain in Washington along with some extended family members picking away when they heard screaming out in the woods. Now, my father has always always been a hunter and has lived through and seen a lot, including facing death more than once. Well, he decided to go check it out and told the family to stay put. He grabs his 3206 and goes towards the, the screaming. After an hour or so, he walks back to the picking area, face completely white, from what my siblings said. We're Asian, hard-working kind, 
So white is not a color for us to easy produce on our skin cause we're slightly tan. The only thing my father says is to pack up, we're leaving. That was it. No one said anything, everyone packed up and left. My father never mentioned what he saw or talked about it and he and my family never went back there. We stopped picking completely. What I find scary is he still went out hunting deep in the woods, but never ever to that area and never allowed my brothers to go there as well. My people are shamanistic or animistic people, so he definitely saw something, just not sure what and what could ever make him that afraid. I vividly recall the time when my fishing partner and I embarked on a hike towards a small lake near Linton Lake. Little did we know that this expedition would thrust us into an extraordinary encounter. So as we made our way through the wilderness, our attention was drawn to a peculiar sight ahead, an animal feasting in a meadow, initially mistaken for a bear. Fueled by curiosity, we cautiously approached, our hearts pounding in anticipation. To our utter astonishment, the creature rose to its feet, turning to face us, revealing its immense stature, a towering seven-foot-tall Bigfoot. Stunned and frozen in place, we stood at a distance of approximately 100 feet, locked in an intense gaze with this enigmatic being. Our minds raced, grappling with the uncertainty of the situation. We were at a loss for what to do next, caught in a surreal moment that defied explanation. Amidst the tension, a surge of panic coursed through my companion, prompting him to fumble in his jacket, reaching for the 22 caliber firearm he carried. Sensing the gravity of the situation, I intervened, my voice laced with urgency, are you nuts? Don't even think about it. The gravity of the potential consequences hit us both, dissuading any thought of provoking this formidable creature. In response to the mounting tension, the Bigfoot effortlessly reached down, hoisting a deer carcass onto its massive shoulder. Without uttering a sound, it disappeared into the depths of the surrounding woods, leaving us in awe of its raw power and agility. Overwhelmed by the encounter, fear gripped our hearts, propelling us to pivot on our heels and flee in the opposite direction. Our hurried footsteps echoed through the silent wilderness as we retraced our path, desperate to reach the sanctuary of our truck, yearning for the safety. I grew up deep in the mountains west of Asheville, North Carolina. Me and my friend liked to meet up and rough it overnight in the woods despite being really young. Like 11 years old to early teens, both our parents were mountain people types. I always carried my 22 caliber when we did this, mostly to kill any pheasants, rabbits or other small game to bring home. Anyways to the story, we had this place we called Grapevine Holler that we preferred to camp at and had even set up some permanent camping structures including an elevated wooden platform about 20 feet off the ground in the trees we were sleeping on that night. John wakes me with a few soft nudges and I start to roll around and he's got his finger over his lips and points out in the woods where I see this dim floating light moving slowly perpendicular to us. My 22 caliber is hanging from a branch overhead and I get it down but as I'm doing it I of course make noise. I go prone quick and watch as the light stops moving for a moment before it starts moving towards us. As it gets closer I can see that it's a man holding up an old gas lantern, 
Dude looks like he's straight out of Daniel Boone reenactments and has a double barrel hanging from his shoulder. At this point he's literally right under us and I'm not breathing as he kicks around through some of our junk we have laying around. He stares at the tree that we use to climb up to the canopy and walks under us where we can't see him. Seems like for 5 minutes he was right under us as we could see the lantern light and I still feel like I haven't breathed at this point. The lantern goes out and he starts walking away back the way he came briskly. Me nor John moved or made a noise till morning. Whoever the hell he was, we both know to this day he knew we were in that tree, there were way too many climb marks on it from years of use for even someone with no tracking experience to notice. This was the kind of place where everyone knew everyone and I never saw that man again. I work for a city park and recreation department here in Colorado. I also serve as a district ranger for the National Park Service. I took the ranger patrolling training and love the outdoors, but I'm not a trained scientist or a tracker. I was driving home from work one evening in 2017, and it was dusk. I was heading east on US 24 towards Berthout Falls. There is a turnoff located before you get right to the falls that goes to a park where you can camp called Rainbow Park. I was driving down the turnoff, and when I reached the bottom of the road, I saw this huge thing looking at me. I wasn't sure what it was at first, but I really thought it was a bear. But then I saw wings and saw that this might be some sort of mountain lion creature with wings, at least that's what it looked like. So, I'm thinking it's a flying mountain lion, totally confused because my brain cannot process this. It does not make any sense. Then it jumps off the ground and takes off into the air. Not only was this amazing to see, but it was also mind-numbing. It was huge and had a very large body and a wingspan far larger than my truck. The body was more like a mix between a human and a lion, and the head looked more like a large cat. I thought maybe it was injured or I'm not sure what it was doing. I could see, though, that its wings were very strange, also very alien looking to any kind of bird we have here on Earth. I mean, these are just my guesses. I took off into the woods, drove up the road to the park, got out of my truck, still shocked at my sighting, and everything around me was dead silent. I noticed right away it was colder than usual, and things did not feel right. I had a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. I just tried to shake it off as best I could, and things seemed to stop for the time being. Later on, I went back to the spot where I had my sighting, and there were huge impressions on the ground where it landed, going through the trees into the woods. I was so confused but also scared and in awe. I've kept this a secret until now. I would love to tell everybody more about what I saw and where. I wish I could have taken photos, but it all happened so fast. As scared as I was, it honestly kind of reminded me of seeing something from Greek mythology come to life or something along those lines. I don't know what creature looks like that with wings, but man, it was something else entirely. Thank you for taking the time to read this. My name is Tom. Of course, that's not my real name, but the name for the sake of story. I was leader of the Navy SEAL team. So, 
We were deployed to a war-torn region of Iraq with a classified mission to eliminate a high-value target terrorist leader. Not Saddam. Little did we know that our encounter with the enemy would take a terrifying turn. After meticulous planning and precise execution, we successfully infiltrated the target's heavily guarded castle. Using advanced surveillance equipment, we kept a constant eye on the live feed, ensuring that our actions were being monitored by the highest authority. With the utmost precision, we eliminated the target, fulfilling our mission objective. As the cameras captured the moment, we knew our success would be witnessed by the eyes of our nation's leaders. As the mission came to a close, we shut off the camera feed and began securing the area. Curiosity overcame me, and a strange pull drew me towards a dark and hidden basement chamber within this desert castle. With each step, an eerie silence filled the air, adding to the weight of the unknown that awaited me. As I entered the chamber, a dim light revealed an strange sight that froze me in awe. Before me stood a creature, towering at least ten feet tall, its form shrouded in shadow. It possessed a humanoid shape with two long and skinny legs, arms that extended all the way to the ground, and a round body. Its neck, elongated and slender, held no features of a face. Around him were human corpses, about ten of poor people. The air grew thick with a sense of malevolence, and I could feel the creature's presence suffocating me. Without warning, it lunged at me with blinding speed and brute force. The impact sent me crashing to the ground, my senses reeling from the ferocity of the attack. In the chaos of the moment, the creature vanished as swiftly as it had appeared, leaving me shaken and bewildered. Desperately, I called for backup, summoning my fellow Sealstow the scene. But as they arrived, confusion etched on their faces, they claimed they hadn't witnessed any creature or encountered anything out of the ordinary. Doubt clouded their expressions, and their responses only deepened the mystery. We combed the area, searching every nook and cranny, but there was no trace of the creature that had assaulted me. It was as if it had vanished into thin air, leaving behind only lingering questions and a chilling sense of unease. Despite the lack of evidence, I knew in my bones that what I had witnessed was real, a terrifying encounter with an entity beyond comprehension. I was a beat officer for a small town in northern New Jersey. The chief of police at the time was a guy well known to me and my brothers in the force as Mr. Paranoid himself. One night, I responded to a call from dispatch that there had been reports of screaming from the woods near Greenwood Lake. I arrived at the location and didn't see anything but a foul smell hung in the air. It smelled like blood, wet dog, and iron. I entered the woods on foot with my flashlight ready, to catch any pranksters or anybody who was fooling around. Listening intently for any sign of life, as I made my way deeper into the woods, something suddenly darted out from a clump of trees to my right, tearing off into the woods. I chased after them or it as best I could but there's no way I could ever catch up to them. A few weeks later, a young boy had gone missing from his family's campsite around the same location. The search party had come up empty-handed, but I knew that area was where I had seen whatever it was that night, what I assumed was a large animal. The chief of police, during an investigation, took me aside and told me not to talk about what I saw around town. 
He stated that he didn't want to cause panic in the small town, so he never reported his encounter or description of what happened at Greenwood. Though we weren't able to find any missing persons matching the description, we're also unable to find the location of where this other officer believed that he himself saw a werewolf. I did see one, though, claiming to be an unnamed officer who had also been on the search party for the missing boy, but they have since been let go. The only person I've ever told is my wife at the time, now my ex. She laughed and accused me of making it all up. Before I get to my encounter I'll give you a little backstory. I was born in Mobile, Alabama in 1964. Up until the mid-twenties, I'd never been on any higher ground than a couple of hundred feet above sea level. In the mid-80s to early 90s, my sister had gotten married and moved to Roan Mountain in eastern Tennessee. My wife and I took a trip up there to visit for a week. After the first few days of running around and seeing the sights, we spent the day just hanging out at the house. This led to a few cold beverages being consumed and the grill getting fired up that evening. Later that night, around 9 p.m., I went out on the back porch to get another beer. That's when I noticed about half a dozen deer about 100 yards out in the field behind the house. One had a nice rack and I couldn't quite make out the number of points, so I slipped off the porch and eased over to the corner of the fence which put me about 60 to 70 yards away from them. As I'm standing there against the fence watching the deer. The big one was a nice 10 point minimum 200 class. That's when I noticed the moon. When I say it noticed, I mean noticed. It was huge and seemed so much closer than I'd ever seen it before. Now I've been out in the Gulf of Mexico at night and been able to witness the moon well away from any city lights and you can see all kinds of detail on the surface of the moon with the naked eye. But that night, I finally understood what the word awesome means or what awestruck means. So, I'm standing at this fence watching the deer, or was supposed to be but I can't take my eyes off this big glowing yellowish-orange ball of light that seems to be just out of reach. So after what I thought was around 20 minutes later, I found out it was more like an hour, I start noticing a tickling sensation on the back of my neck. I shrugged my shoulders and turned my neck a couple of times trying to shake loose whatever it was it was tickling me and just then the deer got spooked and bounced away. The noise finally forced me to break my gaze on the moon. That's when I realized that I've probably been out there long enough. I decided to go back inside. I took one last look and mumbled a wow at the beauty of this little sun-reflecting satellite that orbits our world and that's when it hit me. I felt the hot breath of a huge creature hit the back of my neck at the same time hearing or feeling the deepest chest rumbling whom I've ever heard. I spied onto my right, looking over my shoulder. All I could see was black as far as my peripheral vision would allow. It was all Bigfoot. This all happened in a split second. When I got my head around far enough, I realized that my face was maybe 8 to 10 inches away from this thing's upper abdomen. Looking up I saw this beast's pectoral muscles stuck off his chest about 6 inches and were huge. His chest was every bit of 4 and a half feet wide his shoulders there as big as basketballs added another foot or so on each side from shoulder to shoulder. This thing was at least 6 feet wide. 
I've not got a good look at his hands or face but his arms were probably more impressive than his chest and shoulders. If Hulk Hogan has 22-inch pipe bones, this bipedal beast was sporting 28 to 30-inch guns. His forearms would make Popeye jealous. His arms were covered in long dark hair maybe 4 or 6 inches in length. If I had to guess this behemoth must have been around 10 feet tall and 7 to 800 pounds. As far as his face goes, from the angle I was at all it could make out was a squared off bearded chin. I cannot see a nose, eyes, ears, raised brow ridge, conical head, nothing, so I can't say whether it looked more like a man or an ape. His arms were more like an ape's but his chest was more human-like, just a little more hairy than most. Now this is where the story starts getting weird. As I mentioned earlier, it all happened in a split second. As I spun around and was in the process of looking up, this thing was going from a bent over position to standing up straight and taking a step back to his right. As he pulled his left leg over his right, it was like he was slipping through a slit in a green screen. I'm not sure if it was a portal or some sort of interdimensional doorway or what, all I know is this huge thing vanished within that split second. By the way, there was no foul smell associated with this creature. There was a slight musty smell but it reminded me of the same smell a horse gives off. I mean you could smell it but I'm not going to say it was a stench. I will say this, I hear a lot of people saying that these things are evil and demons and they may be. All I know is I got the impression that this beast was intelligent and appreciated my interest in the moon. The hum that he gave out made me feel the same way I would feel when I do something good that would make my grandfather proud and he would give me the same approving hum that this Bigfoot did. You just never had the same volume or power that this thing did. Five to six years ago, I found myself in the rugged wilderness of Oregon's Ochico Mountains, pursuing my passion for archery hunting. On this particular hunting trip near Spanish Peak, Oregon, I had been tracking an elusive elk deep into a secluded canyon. As darkness cloaked the landscape, intensified by the thick clouds overhead, I realized it was time to make my way back to the road, which was about an hour's hike away. Yet, an eerie feeling crept over me, as if I were being trailed by an unseen presence. The night came alive with unsettling sounds breaking sticks, rustling leaves, that sent shivers down my spine. Instinctively, I called out, stop, or I'll shoot. Clutching my arrows tightly, prepared to defend myself against the mysterious cryptid lurking in the darkness. To my astonishment, the source of the noise emerged from the shadows, closing the distance between us to a mere 10 to 15 feet. It mirrored my movements, halting whenever I stopped. Determined to confront this enigmatic presence, I readied an arrow, hoping for a glimpse of my pursuer. However, as I positioned myself in a small clearing, the cryptid abruptly ceased its pursuit. Perplexed yet relieved, I continued my journey towards a forested area, unaware that it had circled around the clearing, resuming its pursuit from the cover of the trees. With each cautious step, enveloped by the enigmatic darkness, I felt an unseen force watching over me. There was no accompanying smell or visual confirmation of what trailed me, only an undeniable presence that sent chills down my spine. Despite the challenging circumstances, 
my instincts guided me along the winding road, etched in my memory from previous encounters. Without the aid of a flashlight, I relied solely on my knowledge and intuition. The entity, for reasons unknown, ceased its pursuit as I reached the road, vanishing into the shadows. Reflecting on this harrowing experience, I couldn't help but contemplate the stories surrounding Bigfoot, rumored to assist lost hunters in the wilderness. Perhaps the enigmatic cryptid had been watching over me, ensuring my safe exit from the treacherous woods? When I was around 17 to 18, some friends invited me to a hunting, fishing or camping kind of thing. I rarely went so far north in my country so I agreed despite not having anything to do with this kind of stuff. I feel like I have to say I'm from Moldova, Eastern Europe. Those woods connect with Romania and Ukraine, at least they did back in the day, I'm 28 now. A huge forest, even experienced hunters get lost sometimes. I also have to add that our hunters don't have trails made specifically for them. No trail, no camps made for tourists or hunters, not nothing. It's pure mother nature and you. We do have tourist spots but they never go really far. We must have walked 2-3 hours before we even found the spot. We camped there and after a while, we went deeper. After 4 hours we picked up signs that there is a boar somewhere. We went after it and even split when someone saw fox signs around. I went with 3 others after the fox. We went towards and I even saw from afar but something scared it and it went in a different location very fast. We also noticed some movement. The location is higher than us and for some reason, we decided to go there. At first, we thought it's other hunters but soon enough we understood it's something else. We found the spot but no one was there, blood all over the place. I never thought things like that happen in real life. 5 meters around splashes of blood. Some stains even led further from the spot. I was enchanted by it and wanted to go after it, but then my friend stopped me. The most experienced one said to go back slowly and he even took his gun in his hand, he usually kept it at his thigh. Not the hunting rifle. I got scared very fast, because obviously, it was not right. But that was nothing because then I saw a human hand ripped in pieces, mauled by big teeth. I noticed how my friend would look around and knowing him I knew someone is watching. We went back very fast and the guys circled me for protection. I think the fact that my badass friends were so protective of me raised the biggest red flags for me because they're usually not this way. We tried to call the others but no signal and one of my friends made a fire with smoke. One hour passed and nothing. I knew they had to fire a couple of times in the air to signal them but somehow they were afraid to do it because according to my friend someone else could know where we are. Another friend replied, too late for that, they are close. At this point, I started to laugh because I thought they are pranking me until I heard something in the direction where we came from. They never explained anything to me but from what I understood when they talked to each other, there was this vicious and smart pack of wolves that come from the mountains. Either Romania or Ukraine. Deforestation is a real problem in those countries, especially Romania so many wild animals that disappeared in our country started to appear recently. They encountered this pack a while ago but thought they went back or scared them off but apparently, 
They came back to the place where my friends usually gathered. The thing is, they're not afraid of firearms like common wolves in my country are. So, basically, we couldn't reach our friends and according to the friends I was with, the pack went after them after tracking us. This is still illogical to me but it was logically for them so who am I to question them? This pack also attacks people, hungry or not and even hunt people much more often than other animals. Last time they met the pack, they went after them for 50 km until they reached their destination near water. They used their firearms on them but nothing helped. Two of my friends decided to go after the others and warn them about the pack. Me and the friend that stayed, left almost everything in the camp and basically went back home. My two friends also took a bare minimum and ran. It was midnight and still, no sign of my friends, not even a signal. The friend that was with me couldn't handle the pressure and equipped himself with grenades and army clothes and went to the camp in case if any of them came back. Later that night I saw his signaling fire at the camp. I tried to stay occupied and started to clean up when I hear howling, very close. I looked at the window that faces the forest and nothing, then after the second howling, I realized they're near the house. Somehow they managed to jump the fence and they actually circled the house, they were walking in the circle. Someone called and I have to say, I was never so scared and happy in my entire life. Scared because I jumped when it rang. One of my friends were practically screaming in the phone to go in the basement and release the puppy. To say that I'm shocked is to say nothing. I couldn't understand a lot of things he said, because the signal was bad, also because he was screaming, they knew the pack is at the house and they were coming but for some reason, I had to go in the basement to get some puppy. Honestly, I think, subconsciously I knew what was going on but at the time I was too scared to think. I found a baby wolf in the basement. My genius friends thought it's a good idea to bring in their house the baby of the wolf pack that killed people. I was never more angry at them than that time. And they have done stupid things before. The problem was that if I opened the door at the basement to release the puppy, the wolves could get me. So I decided to take it to the second floor, and put in a basket or SMTH and gently put it on the ground with a rope. I found everything I needed when I heard scratches on the door, the wolf mama wanted to get in and honestly if she knew how old the house is, she would just probably put her weight on the door and then she would easily come inside. I went to the balcony and slowly started to get the basket down. The wolves were there, looking at me and all my moves. The she-wolf was easy to spot, she ran towards the puppy. I have to say the reunion was touching but the wolves were only happy for 5 seconds, one of them even tried to jump at me. I was hypnotized. I watched them take the puppy and going where they came from. The she-wolf took the puppy in the teeth and jumped the fence. The rest of them jumped too, except one. He must have been the oldest, he had very smart eyes. He looked at me for a long time before he jumped too. I was scared and fascinated and a couple of times when he went into the forest, he would look back and honestly it was the greatest thing ever. My friends came back a couple of hours after that, worried about me but I told everything and they were also shocked to hear about the behavior of these wolves, except one, the brother of the thief who took the puppy. He punched him right in the jaw and broke it. They didn't speak a couple of years after that. In the forest, they barely survived the pack. 
the only thing that saved them was the smelly bomb the brother had, not before he was bitten a couple of times. Other friends were attacked too until the two friends that were with me came to their rescue with fire. I know the story is incredible and many will say it's fake but god damn it it's the best story of my life, and I don't care if people believe me. No one can take that from me. Also, I think since I don't know the whole story in many details, the story seems unreal but I bet if one of my friends would tell it would seem more real. Back when I was a high school senior, my buddy and I had a burning desire to ride our dirt bikes in solitude, far away from any disturbances. We ventured up an isolated logging road, deep into an area of second-growth dug fir. After setting up camp in a clearing, our plan was to spend a couple of days immersed in this rugged wilderness. During the day, we tore up and down the local trails on our dirt bikes, relishing in the adrenaline-fueled joy of the ride. As dusk approached, signaling the end of our thrilling escapades, we made our way back to camp. However, our path was unexpectedly obstructed by a massive log deliberately placed across the trail. We knew for certain that this log hadn't been there earlier in the afternoon when we had zoomed past multiple times. Its deliberate positioning gave us an unsettling feeling. Considering the log's size, we didn't dare attempt to move it from the trail. Instead, we managed, with great effort, to maneuver our dirt bikes around the barrier. Unease and vulnerability crept into our consciousness, casting doubt on whether we should stay the night at the campsite. But fueled by Budweiser and bolstered by the fact that one of us had brought along his dad's 357 caliber, we made the decision to tough it out. Sleep evaded us throughout the night, so we built a substantial fire to ward off the darkness and its lurking uncertainties. However, around midnight, our feeble sense of security shattered. A massive rock came hurtling into our camp, followed by the cacophony of something colossal crashing through the undergrowth. The air was rent with otherworldly screams and growls, further unsettling our already frayed nerves. Another rock descended upon us, jolting us into immediate action. With hearts pounding, we sprinted towards our pickup truck and tore down the logging road, heading for the safety of Alsi. In our haste, we left behind much of our camping gear, but we had the presence of mind to load our dirt bikes onto the truck earlier. The next day, in broad daylight, we returned to retrieve our abandoned belongings. Fear still lingered, preventing us from thoroughly investigating tracks or seeking other evidence. We hastily gathered what we could and made a swift departure from that eerie place. I live in Australia and I used to date this girl who lived in one of our national parks, a solid two-hour drive from anything. Anyway one night it gets to like 2am and I've got to go home for some reason I can't remember. I'm driving along this pitch black road, no street lights, thick bush either side of the narrow road, a mess. I'm in a Land Rover Defender, for the uninformed, a fairly boxy car with a flat back and a flat front, no curves. Anyway I'm wigging myself out, it's a long drive and I'm prone to thinking of scary things. After about 30 minutes of driving I look in my rear view mirror and see a silhouette of a person sitting in the back seat of the car. I am frozen with fear, literally can't take my eyes off them. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Can't stop driving, can't move. About 30 seconds later and nothing happens. I move my arm up to move the mirror a little to see if I'm seeing things, and as I raise my arm the person in the back waves at me. I freak out, what the F? A car appears from in front of me driving the other way and I'm thinking yes. I'll flag this guy down and get rid of the offender or some shit. But when I look in the mirror again the person is gone. The car flies past me, I look back and the person is back again. I turn my head slowly. Watching the mirror in my periphery and the person slowly turns its head too. God damn it I'm scared. Finally, I slowly grab my jumper in the front seat to throw at the intruder, and in one big motion I huck it backwards at the person so I could reef on the brakes and get out. Terrible plan but I'm scared as. Anyway I realize that the mother f in the back is my reflection off the back window of the car. The boxy shape meant my reflection looked perfectly like someone sitting in the back seat. Might be too late to respond, but one of my friends lives in an apartment complex next to a main road and some stores, behind a gas station. It's an old complex, and not in the middle of the woods or anything, but there are some back alleys and some trees nearby. Anyway, one night we were up playing Hearthstone or something, and we started hearing this really really freaky noise. My friend keeps his windows open on the second floor to help with cooling the apartment. We both just kind of sit there stunned, before I finally ask in a very low voice what the F is that? It was like a cry, but like no animal had ever heard. Imagine like the freakiest zombie cry in a movie, and it sounded just like that, but loud and right outside. It persisted for about 20 minutes and we just kind of stopped making noise, and didn't do anything that would draw attention to us. Still have no idea what the hell it was. Mentioned it to my friend again just recently.
My girlfriend and I were camping in the backyard in the west end of Council Bluffs, Iowa. The date was July 7, 1974. I noticed an object high in the sky traveling from horizon to horizon like a satellite except it was red and traveling somewhat faster and moving side to side in a wave motion, not a fixed pattern but not exactly random either. It went much slower than a meteor. We stood up from our cots to better watch the skies. A short time later we saw a disc-shaped object with red lights on its perimeter from a distance of about 2 miles. It seemed to be moving above the trees near the Missouri River or following the river itself. It was not quite hovering, but moving slowly while tipping on its sides and demonstrating to us that this was something very unusual. We watched it head south until we lost it below the trees. We stayed alert and debated if we should go to Lewis and Clark Monument, a park on the bluffs overlooking Council Bluffs in Omaha. About 5 or 10 minutes after last seeing the object, it flew almost directly over our heads, about a block away, now going north and still just above treetop level. We lost sight of it and decided to go ahead and drive to the park. On the way, we were driving through Big Lake Park and I was keeping watch. I saw the object coming in our direction, still at treetop level, except I had the eerie feeling that it was coming for us. We panicked. I wanted to hide under the train bridge near the tennis court and my girlfriend stopped the car about 50 yards short of the bridge. We ran to and under the bridge to hide. I've never experienced that kind of fear before or since, but, like a couple of prairie dogs we felt compelled to peek out and see more of this incredible object. So we did. It was hovering above a large cottonwood tree near the tennis court about 50 to 75 yards away from us. It was still dark out. The disc looked about 100 feet in diameter with large red rectangular lights flashing in sequence around its edge which seemed to be about 15 feet thick. As we watched, frozen with awe and fear it dipped its edge while hovering. One of the red lights went out and in its place a beam of light shot out of it and shined directly at us. The next thing either of us remember is that it was now daylight and we were back in the car driving towards our original destination of Lewis and Clark Monument. We called police and they said they had a report of something in Missouri Valley, Iowa, about 20 miles to the north. Animals were behaving strangely. Either they were oddly quiet or behaving wildly. When we drove back through Big Lake Park there were people there who said they saw nothing. I don't really know how much time we are talking about here. In 1974 I had never heard of the phenomenon of missing time, but over the years I became well-schooled with the term. We make no claims of abduction. Dr. Kosher of the University of Nebraska at Omaha, after hearing my story referred me to a hypnotist. I never went, maybe out of fear. I was afraid to know any more. To this day I feel I know enough. My girlfriend and I went home that morning and drew identical pictures and repeated identical stories. You have to understand at the time I thought the world was coming to an end or something. In 1977, an article came out in Popular Mechanics about an incident that happened very near there involving a blob of molten metal falling 500 feet from an object similar in description to what we saw. Jacques Vallée came to investigate that occurrence. That is why I repeat my story and will always harbor these hazy memories and questions. I've never seen or experienced anything like that since. 
but I feel it in my gut every day. I grew up on a farm, way down south. I'm not gonna give any exact locations, it was weird then and it's probably weird now, and if I tell the entire internet where it's located, it's likely not going to get better. In the 80s, our community was extremely isolated, it was one small town surrounded closely by a few small family-owned farms, including mine. No distinguishing features for miles around, other than the forest near town. That forest was thick, it was old, it was big, and most of the locals swore it was haunted. Maybe some of you guys reading this will understand what I mean when I try to emphasize the complete isolation you experience, growing up in a place like that. It's not quite as bad now, but when I was growing up, you could drive for literally hours without ever seeing another sign of human life. Most of you who are reading this are never going to know how this feels. You're completely, totally isolated. If you scream at the top of your lungs, nobody will hear you. Nobody will come running. Nobody will call the police. You. Are. Alone. This is going to be important later. Now, back then, on the rare occasion that I had an evening off where I had no chores to do and no schoolwork, I generally had to make my own fun. When I was young, I stuck to playing on the farm with whatever toys I could find. Due to how isolated our community was, the most advanced piece of equipment we had was a tractor, so no television or anything of that sort. As I grew older, I eventually, perhaps naturally, grew inclined to want to explore the forest a little, but every time I would approach my dad about it, he would sternly put me off the idea, if I'm remembering right, he used to tell me stories about bogeymen who lived in the trees and ate children who entered the forest at night. They worked on a 12-year-old, but by the time I was 17, I was more curious than anything, and one night, after I was completely sure that my parents were asleep, I snuck out of the house and off the farm, and went to the woods. It was pitch black out by that point, of course, so I brought along the only flashlight we had, which was more like a lantern casing with a bulb inside of it and only gave modest illumination. I walked around for maybe half an hour, trying to find something worth investigating, there were no trails leading into it, nothing of that sort. Or so I thought. After around 20 minutes of searching I came across what looked like a footpath leading into the woods. Of course, this surprised me and drew my interest, because as far as I knew, the woods were totally untamed. I'm sure most of you think I'm an idiot by this point, and I agree with you heartily, but I was 17. I was a dumb kid, and the thought that there were people and things out there who could and would hurt or kill me given half the chance just hadn't fully registered with me. I went into the woods, the path was fairly long, and as I went, I started noticing this smell. There aren't many scents as vile as rotten flesh, and it's ten times worse when you're as far down south as I was, where the heat starts to bake it until it's stuck to the ground. Whatever I was smelling, though, it was something like that, but kicked up on adrenaline. If I hadn't been a dumbass at the time, that would have been enough to make me turn back, but I was more curious than ever to find out what was making that smell, I kept going. I was totally fixated on the path ahead of me, and it didn't help that the lantern wasn't giving very good light. When I finally reached the end, 
The smell was so strong I was near ready to puke. The path lead right into a clearing, maybe about as wide and tall across as a medium-sized house, smack dab in the middle of the forest. I don't remember the details very well, because this was years ago and I got the F out of there pretty fast, but a few details stuck with me. First, there was a slab of stone sitting in the middle of the clearing. It looked like somebody had broken it off of a boulder with a pickaxe or something and dragged it through the trees to get it there, and it had some kind of dark rubbery coating over it. Second, there was a big pile of dirt in the clearing and a hole next to it. Somebody had been digging, and the smell was coming from the hole. Third, further back in the clearing, somebody had built a hut, a really shitty one. It looked like it was barely standing, didn't have any windows. As I got close to it, I realized that the smell was also coming from inside of the hut, even more strongly than from inside of the hole, and the door was hanging open. I stood there for a few seconds, by that point, even I was smart enough to be worried that I had stumbled onto something I shouldn't have, but I decided to look inside of the hut. The closer I got, the harder it was to tolerate that smell, and when I pushed the door open further, a wave of it rolled out onto me, and the air in there was oven hot, the sun was baking it. Finally, I was able to see what was inside of the hut. Dead livestock. Goats. Chickens. At least one cow. I could see other shapes I didn't recognize, or that weren't quite illuminated enough for me to make them out. They were piled up in the hut, thrown in carelessly like so many sacks of potatoes. The light was reflecting off of the goat's eyes, staring back at me. Most of them had huge gashes across the throat, like they'd been bled to death, and they were rotting in the heat, this was where the smell was coming from. I don't remember what happened next that well. I do remember that seeing that was finally enough to make my dumb ass realize that it was time to get the F out of that forest, I turned, and I ran for it, as fast as my legs could carry me, holding the lantern up high so I didn't trip. I don't know what it was, why I felt that way, but my instincts were screaming bloody murder, and I knew on a gut level that if I fell, I was going to die, it might have just been my imagination, but I swear I heard footsteps following me from the clearing, more than one set. I don't remember anything else specific from the time I decided to cut and run to the time I got out of the woods, all I remember is that I was just about having a heart attack of sheer terror and absolutely certain that somebody or something was chasing me. I turned the lantern off as I ran and made straight for town, and when I got close enough to be familiar with the terrain, I hid behind a rock and waited. But nobody came. Nobody was following me. I went back home, still scared as shit, and woke my dad to tell him what I had found. I still remember the look on his face when I finished, just as well as I remember what he told me next, taking me by the shoulders, as dead serious as I'd ever seen him. He told me not to tell a single person, not even my closest friend, not even my mother, what I'd seen in that forest. He made me promise, and when he was finally satisfied that I understood him, he paddled my ass so hard I had trouble sitting for a few days after and sent me back to bed. True to my word, I never told anybody else what I'd seen. Things were weird in town for a few days after, though, I do remember that much. Everybody was tense with one another, way more than they usually were, like something was about to happen. Nothing did, though, and after a few weeks had passed, things were back to normal. 
Until today, I've never told a single soul besides my dad what happened that night, and he passed away back in 2009. I don't know what would have happened to me if I'd tripped. I don't know what they were doing in that clearing, who was doing it, or why, but I do know this. There was something going on in that forest, something bad, and it wasn't the work of a bogeyman. Went on my first solo camping trip when I was around 21 years old. Took my miniature dachshund with me. Stayed in a remote campground where there was hardly anyone around. In the middle of the night, I was woken up several times by the sound of chanting, yelling and singing from across the river, not in the campground itself but within hearing distance. Freaked out, I snuggled up to my dog and finally fell asleep with her on my chest. In the middle of the night I woke up with a jolt a chill going through my body, opened my eyes, tipped my head back and looked through the tiny square vent in the tent directly behind my head. An older man's face was looking in at me through the tent window, a man with long black hair and big black eyes. I was so terrified I couldn't move. I couldn't even make a sound. I certainly tried. At some point my dog, a miniature dachshund sensed my tension and woke up too. She was still sleeping smack dab in the center of my chest. She looked out the window directly at whatever it was that was behind me and let out a single, sharp, growling bark. The moment she barked, my body relaxed and I was able to move again, and I realized I may have been asleep and experiencing sleep paralysis the whole time. There was nobody behind the tent anymore. It's very possible it was all a very realistic, freaky dream. I'm not a hunter, but I do live in Colorado and frequent the mountains often. My first scary thing was my friend and I were going to an off-road spot and it was a two-day trip. We took my truck which doesn't have a camper. Anyway, we pull off the main road to an outcropping that was a pull-off area next to a river and bust out some beers, a little grill and just kick back for a bit. Once we got done eating, I kept hearing this growling noise across the stream. I asked my buddy about it and he wrote it off like I was nuts. We start unpacking the tent and put it together and sure enough, the growling gets louder and two glowing eyes are pacing the bank in front of us. He notices it, we both freak out and throw the tent, complete and all in the truck and bail out. We ended up sleeping in the back of the truck about two miles away, totally freaked out. Different time when I was younger, we went to Apex Road. It was my first time there and what's common for everyone else freaked me out. There's a 40-ish foot steel cross erected that looks like it was made out of leftover metal. There's an abandoned mine shaft and also an old abandoned school that when we inspected it at dusk had whispering sounds come from it. That was nutty. Now keep in mind, this stuff was easily a hundred years old, but in order to get to the top of it, you need four-wheel drive and there's eight or nine switchbacks that are scary as F. It blows my mind someone settled up there at one point. I'm from a small Midwestern town, and nothing like what I saw happens here, to my knowledge, and is pretty much completely normal. This took place in the fall of my seventh grade so around, 2016. Even though it was a few years ago I know that I saw something but I'm not 100% sure what I saw. 
By the way I'm telling this in first person simply because it's easier. My mom called up the stairs. I quickly went towards her voice as she began to explain, your dad and I are heading out for the night. Do you mind walking the dog before we leave? I simply nodded in response, clipping in the dog's leash as she continued talking about what they were doing that night. It was a late November night and the sun had already set. By the time my mom finished talking, the dog was clipped in and ready to go. I closed the front door and immediately felt chills not only from the temperature but the atmosphere. Not one person was out. It's not that late is it? I said to myself. I had made it half a street when my dog stopped to sniff something on the ground. I looked out at the road ahead, nothing but houses and a one-stop sign. My brain immediately thought back to a dumb video my friend and I watched trying to scare ourselves in class where, just like me, someone walking looks up at a stop sign to see a woman staring back at them, literally standing on the stop sign. I still couldn't shake a creepy feeling as I looked down the road. Then my heart stopped. I'll try my best to describe the horrifying sight I saw. Looking back at me was about an 8 to 9 foot tall shadowy figure. It was something humanoid with two legs, tall, and skinny. The arms were even longer reaching the ground but just as skinny. The body was slightly round, complete with a long skinny neck and no face. Once again I say no face. I was purely terrified. I pulled my dog to run but she was frozen. I yelled out to her, making it here then see me in the process. It began to follow us in what I can only call a drunk on a tightrope walk. In response I ran, cutting through my neighbor's backyard in the process. I slipped and fell all while running on the muddy grass. I turned around picking up my dog in one motion. It was even closer now. My head was pounding, as I ran with tears in my eyes. Turning around I fixed my grip on the dog and ran for my life. I opened my back door, throwing us inside. It's going to get me. I yell as my parents run to me. Thank God they hadn't left yet. Truly believing I was almost kidnapped my dad ran outside. I sat for the next few minutes sobbing, trying to explain the events that just occurred to my mom. My dad walked in through the back door and simply said there's no one. Ever since that day, I've had terrible problems with anxiety and depression. To be fair it could have nothing to do with what I saw but I have to think that a small part of it was from the pure terror I saw that day. Years ago I lived at a cabin with my husband and young child, three-year-old, and one dog. The layout of the house plays a role. The front door lead to the living room and there was a small hallway that led to kitchen and our kids room off to the right. In the hallway there was a bathroom L and main bedroom are off it. Our dog used to sleep in the hallway. It was late and my husband and kid were sleeping. I had been in the living room watching TV. I had heard a noise, like a whine or like I was being called and it made me jump, it was weird. It was sounding like my kid but not really, but at that point I had just assumed it was her. So I had walked down the hallway the dog was sitting up staring at my kid's room so I stepped around her and walked over to my kid's room. My child was sitting straight up looking straight not making a noise. I laid her back down and went back towards the living room. Again I heard the same odd 
hard to describe noise and walked back down to her room. Again the same thing. The dog looked on edge as well. I stayed up for a little while to make sure she has gone back to sleep and to get dog to relax. I eventually went into the bedroom and laid down. Still my ears were on high alert given the circumstances. I laid there for a while trying to sleep but it seemed like something was stopping me from relaxing enough to actually fall asleep. I tossed and turned a bit. I had been laying on my right side facing my closet and when I rolled back onto my back I saw something that has forever stayed with me. I legit see it so clearly as I write this. At the end of my bed stood a small boy, probably 7 or 8. My eyes literally couldn't blink, I was shocked but not terrified like most would think. I was bewildered cause I could see him clear as day. Young boy with a hat and tannish clothes with suspenders. I swear on everything he said something and I turned away cause now I thought I was losing my mind. Not only could I see him clear as day but now I could hear him speaking. It sounded like help. I rolled back toward the closet and closed my eyes real tight and was hoping he'd disappear. But nope I was wrong. When I opened my eyes he was now standing directly in front of my face. Like I said he was 7 eighths so his face was right in front of mine when I opened my eyes. While looking this boy straight in the face he said something and all I could think of was the TV shows that say all you have to do is, tell them to leave and it's okay to move on. So I had reopened my eyes hoping he was gone and as I went to say it's okay to pass on and to please leave my home. I got 99% of it out and I said the last word, I clearly heard him and watch him raise his rigged hand slightly and said no, wait and when I blinked he was gone. Scared shitless I got up checked my kid's room she was fast asleep, my dog was relaxed now asleep in the hallway and nothing seemed weird anymore. I laid back down freaked out and thinking I was going crazy. At some point I fell asleep. The next day I told my husband and best friend. My boyfriend completely was taken aback by it and how out of this world it was and my husband was shocked he didn't hurt anything while it was happening. The image of this boy has stayed with me ever since. I googled the property that I was living in at that point to see if any children who looked like him had gone missing and never could uncover anything shady. The property was at the location of a war that was fought and there were a couple youngins who had gone missing but nothing concrete. I've had random odd things happen like feeling someone run my head from behind but this, this is something that has always stayed with me. His face is just as detailed today as it was over a decade ago. I attached a pic of a boy wearing a similar type outfit as the boy that I had saw. I went on a GAP semester as part of a cohort of 15 students in the Wind River Mountain Range for 26 days. We were doing a NOLS course without technology for a learning requirement for first-year students. Awesome opportunity. Anyway, it was getting late and our LOD, leader of the day, was upset because it was getting dark out and this was the final stretch in a group of five, we were split into packs of five near the end. So we happened upon a tucked-in corner at a high altitude that looked to be an old camp. By this point, it was too dark to carry on, so we scouted out the area. It was unsettling because there were bear traps everywhere. There was no sign of life, but a distinct humming noise was omnipresent. Out of curiosity, 
I walked into a tent with a friend and there were three rusty chainsaws and a rotting leg of some animal. It smelled awful. There was no food, except for a few cans that had expired three years prior, but the humming got louder. There was also a video camera inside with a note on the ground that read I haven't forgotten. At that point, we decided to leave really fast and traveled three more miles to distance ourselves. Those three miles with nothing but flashlights and the pitch dark was one of the most nerve-wracking times of my life. It may have honestly been nothing, but five guys who had to get to the final landing point in three days without seeing people for a week was enough. I marked the approximate coordinates on my map at the time, and I may have it in my desk at home. I'll try to post it if I find it when I'm on break. I'm a 22-year-old archery hunter that lives in and hunts Nevada. I still hunt to this day, but this is something that definitely shook me up back in the summer of 2017. I was mule deer hunting and after a long hot summer day of hiking and searching, I had finally spotted some deer across the canyon that had bedded down under the shade of a thick mahogany tree patch on top of the opposite mountains from me. The sun was setting and since I lacked the time to make a multiple hour sneak, I decided I would return to camp, and hike up early the next morning while it was still dark so I could have a good chance at spotting them going down to water at first light. At about 3 am, completely dark still, I headed out of camp and up into the darkness with my bow and pack. At first the ascent up the mountainside was wide open sage country and was somewhat lit by a full moon and an incredible showing of stars, so I opted to not turn on my headlamp and to walk amongst the stars. Once I had gotten to the ridge line I was faced with a thick row of mahogany trees that followed the whole ridge up to the peak. The transition from vast, open, starlit, sage-covered mountainside to the enclosed mahogany canopy was like entering another world. Anyone who's been in a thick mahogany or aspen patch knows how. Can find it can feel. It was already dark, but it was another level of dark and quiet under the thick mahogany canopy. I turned on the headlamp and ventured into the thick mahogany patch. A nighttime hike like this was nothing new for me but after about the first half mile in that confined, dark, completely quiet, mahogany jungle something just felt. Wrong. The type of wrong that makes neck hairs stand up, and sends tingles through your body. I nervously covered the next few miles with only a few breaks. About half an hour before sunrise I made it the spot sat down in the darkness and waited quietly with my binoculars for the sun to rise. The sun rose, and the deer were nowhere to be found. It was a disappointing morning sitting on the mountaintop looking through my binoculars for the deer to no avail. At about noon I decided it was time to head back to camp and regroup. I started back into the mahoganies to find my tracks to follow back to camp. As soon as I found my tracks I noticed something that made my blood run cold. Alongside, and even inside my boot prints. Massive mountain lion tracks. The mountain lion tracks ran the entire length of my three-mile nighttime hike I had done just a few hours before. The lion tracks even circled and paced around the spots I had taken my breaks at. Less than 10 yards away from where I would have been resting. I had been stalked in complete darkness for more than two hours, and the entirety of three miles by a 200 plus pound. Predator that can crush my skull with a single bite, 
all without having the slightest clue it was there. Maybe this doesn't belong here, and maybe it isn't much of a story. It has the advantage or disadvantage of being true. About a year ago, my mother died suddenly of a brain hemorrhage. There were no warnings, no signs. She was quite young. My sister and I found her body slumped over in the bathroom. I spent much of the next few months in a haze of grief and drunkenness. I slept little and dreamt less. The few dreams I did have were vivid and strange. My mother's voice calling from the dark. She was puzzled and incredulous when I tried to tell her that she was dead. One dream in particular stays with me. In this dream, my mother was not enshadowed in dark but shining with brilliant light. She looked younger and more carefree than I had seen her in a long time. She smiled when she saw me, and I ran to hug her. I asked her how she was doing. She laughed and said she was at peace. Then she grew a bit more serious. She told me not to worry about her. It was me she was worried about. She could see the state I was in. She told me that she wanted me to feel the peace she was feeling. She told me I should join her, where she was. Her voice remained light and loving. I backed away a few paces from her. What are you saying, mom? I asked. Come on, sweetie, she said. You're a drunken, miserable loser. What do you have to look forward to? Just do it. It'll be quick and easy. Over before you know it. I shook my head. You're not mom, I said. And then the thing wearing my mother's skin grinned at me, a big, gleaming rictus like a mouth being forced open with fish hooks. It shot me a little wave, and then it disappeared. Then I woke up. I'm doing better now. I'm drinking less. I'm in therapy, and I have my family's support. Life is good. I just hope that I never have to see that smile again.